Being that emotional seller, being an emotional buyer, being a motivated buyer and seller, that's usually not a good thing to be motivated, to be emotional. And just like an entrepreneur, I don't want to be a, I like, if you're that, like, if you just want to quit something and just jump on the first business that comes along, I think that that's wrong unless you get really, really, really lucky. So the first thing is have clarity. I mean, do is do if you like 10 things, you know, do so much research on those 10 different businesses and then, you know, take a year if you need to. This is a conveyor belt business, something I've seen with mobile homes. Welcome, friends. You are listening to Blue Collar Money, Theories of Middle Class Investing with your hosts, P.W. Gopal and Mike Hatch. Hey, folks, welcome back to Blue Collar Money, theories of middle-class investing, where we help everyday folks get financially unstuck by taking a blue-collar approach, pulling up our sleeves, getting our hands dirty, and accepting responsibility for our own financial future. Welcome. My name is Mike Hatch, and I'm here, as usual, with P.W. Gopal. And man, do we have an interview for you today. PW, what do you think, man? <laughs> Good night. I mean, what a treat. Now, John has become a friend of yours through the years. Right. Um, and so I've heard about him from you. Um, have not looked into his world more than, you know, just our conversations. But it's the same type of thing. It just keeps happening. I've got a, a page of notes and 100 questions more. I just, what a great guy. What a, what an accessible and transparent guy. I learned a ton and I'm so curious now. And, and I'm, I'm just pumped for our listeners to be able to hear what they're about to hear. Yeah. So we are talking about John Fedro is who we just interviewed. And he is like the, the guy in the mobile home investing space. I mean, he's been on all the major podcasts that you would some of the the bigger, more successful ones. He um, has quite a following. So we didn't cut any corners with this one in terms of quality of the person to be interviewed. And man, but he doesn't, he doesn't act like it. He's so relatable. And uh, the information he provides today is so valuable. So for you, our listeners, listen, you, maybe you clicked on this because you're like, well, weird mobile home investing. I'm not sure I would ever consider that. Give it, give it a moment. Yep. Listen to it, learn. I'm telling you, you might, your mind may very well be open to the up to the possibility. <laughs> Before we jump in, real quick though, just a reminder: we have our first ever blue collar money mastermind starting, and we're calling it Investing for Kingdom Impact. The mastermind will start on Wednesday, July 21st. We're going to first, excuse me, first, <laughs> July 21st. We're going to go for five weeks until August 18th. And we're meeting on Wednesdays during the lunch hour. And again, for those of you who don't know what a mastermind is, basically, we're going to gather amazing folks together. We've already had some incredible folks. Let me just, you know, Gabe, excited for him to be a part of it. Tim is another guy who's going to be a part of it. Uh, Paul, another, these guys, I'm just using first names because 
we know these guys, I don't want to put it out there, but these guys are amazing people, really excited for if, if you're interested in being a part of it, you're not just going to gain value from us, PW and I, as we facilitate the meetings, but you're going to gain value from these other guys who are involved, these other people. So PW and I will do a, a about 20 minute uh, teaching to begin the hour, set the framework for where we're going. And then we will break into smaller groups. You'll have some input from the other folks in the group, uh, get feedback about your specific situation. We'll gather back together again. PW and I will kind of close out the time together and we'll have a, a, you know other times where we'll get to speak into your situation specifically. And again, our goal is for you to really have clarity walking out from that about what, after that five weeks, that you'll have a really solid next steps of how to start investing for kingdom impact. Well, let's jump in then to this interview. John Fedra, as we talked about, has been on all the major podcasts. He is he's has a website called um, mobilehomeinvesting.net where he provides a ton of information for folks who are interested in mobile home investing. He has his own YouTube channel, channel as well. Just look up John Fedro or Mobile Home and John Fedro, and you'll find that YouTube channel as well as a podcast that he does, which is Mobile Home Investing Lessons. Um, so make sure to check out that. He's got a lot going on in his world. He coaches people to do mobile home investing. Um, and it has quite the, the program to take you through uh, online courses that help people become successful in it as well. And, uh, and just an all around great guy, well known in the investing community, especially real estate investing community. So we're excited for you to hear this next interview now uh, with John Fedro. Hey, John Fedro, man, it is so good to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for jumping on the Blue Collar Money podcast with us. Thank you so much for both of you for having me. This is awesome. I want to give a lot of value. Um, this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, man, it is. It totally is. And so, as I've mentioned before, um, I have followed you and you and I have had several discussions. I have yet to uh, to to push the button to, to actually move into actually in, in investing in mobile homes um, and partaking in, in your course and classes. But that's the beauty and, and the what makes me excited about having you on here because you've been so available, accessible, and just wanting to help people and be a value to others. So I know you're going to do that for our listeners. So I sure hope so. And that's fine. You, you can always email me. Your, your listeners can always email me. It's good to have so much more clarity, you know, do your research, know what you want to do. We all have limited time before you jump in full speed to anything. So mm, I'm not going yeah. anywhere for you. That's awesome. I love it, man. Well, let's start just by telling us a little bit about yourself, John. Um, maybe about your story. Have you always been an entrepreneur? Was there something that kind of, you know, hit you right away that that moved you in that direction? Tell us a little bit about you and what brought you to where you are now. Ooh, that's that's <laughs> a just that short question. <laughs> let's see, John Pedro. I like. Long walks on the beach, <laughs> puppies. Um, the, yes. I believe I have always been, I don't know if entrepreneurial is the right word. I'm not even sure what that means anymore. But mm. I do remember as a child, and this is something I ask random people every so often. Um, as a child, I did have a few businesses. Like I, uh, interesting. one of them was a, uh, I, I did a karate class for a little bit. And then whatever I learned in the karate class, I taught my neighborhood friends for like a dollar a week. 
And it which just really was me sort of hitting my friends with sticks and having them defend themselves <laughs> looking back. And then another one was like a, a car wash uh, business with the neighborhood kids. And so it's just different things of, I don't know, just these random businesses a kid. So yeah. I, maybe I was sort of always, you know, interested in or doing something different. My mother always said, I kept telling her I didn't want to be in a box whatever I meant by that. I didn't want to be in a cubicle or didn't want to work for someone else. And then, you know, graduated uh, high school and then started working for someone else, of course. Realized that I didn't like to do that. I don't think I was a very good employee, but I started working young. When I was 13, I started working um, at a farm and then uh, mm. had just other random jobs, McDonald's, Walmart. And, but I knew that there was something more for me. I mean, this went on for years, I, I didn't go, I went to a little bit of college and then sort of fizzled out there and just knew that there was so much more for me or knew that I had so much more passion inside myself, the ability to do something else. I was young, I was hungry. Like I wasn't a dumb person, um, but I just <laughs> yeah. didn't know what to do. And that, that feeling of being so lost, of not mm -hmm. knowing where to go, or there's so many things to do. Just so many things. I mean, you're, I yeah. love your podcast because it talks about so many of these side businesses that people can, can can create for themselves. Real estate just being one of them. And then in real estate, you know, there's so many different things. Mm. Um, I got started from a roommate at the time. Uh, he had a book on his shelf about real estate investing. And I just looked at it and was, you know, read, read through it three times in a weekend. It was a little small book, but just saw that and was blown away. This I was 19 years old and thinking, how can people, I didn't think people could make money with real estate. This was amazing. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't love real estate though. Uh, you know, it was just a vehicle to get to something else, like to get to, mm -hmm. to make money, to then, you know, live a lifestyle that I thought I wanted to live. And then went to a, a real estate group, like a real estate club meetup group. Nobody was talking about mobile homes. I didn't want to do mobile homes. I'd never even been in a mobile home in my life, I don't think. Um, or they always had that negative stigma. Yeah. And then I started doing everything that people said to do in these real estate clubs, went through my small life savings of three grand, which was again, small, <laughs> but I, you know, I was doing everything. I was doing the mailings and I was, I was going door to door at the time. This was back in 2000 or, uh, Florida back in the very, very early two thousands and couldn't make anything work. I was a small fish in a huge pond. And then my first deal was a mobile home. The lady called me. And she said her home was, she wanted to sell it for eight grand. And I was so green, I didn't even know to think there's something probably wrong here for an eight <laughs> grand house. And it was like, and then I got to the mobile, I, I hung up the phone, you know, all wide eyed and uh, bright eyed and just, oh, this is my first deal. Went to the park, realized it was a park. I'll stop there because I'm kind of rambling now. But that was my first right. deal it was a mobile home. I was embarrassed. I didn't tell anybody. And then the <laughs> next one was another one and another one. And I, <laughs> sort of failed into mobile home investing and it's been a roller coaster since that first deal but it's been amazing I mean, yeah just, yeah like well, well, go ahead me, well i just want you to finish the story about the lady with the first one like <laughs> you show yeah. up at her house and she asked you to buy it and leave it in the park so it, so didn't know anything about it being a mobile home and i turned into where the address was was taking me and this was before GPS or anything like that. I think I must've printed off the directions and I turned into a mobile, a mobile home park. And I'm like, mm -hmm. what, you know, okay, well this is, a, you know, I, I'm, I'm here, I guess I 
I've never been taught to do any of this. So I, I turn the corner and I can see which one I believe her, her house is. And it's this nice double wide on a pond with this uh, Florida Lanai screened in room and big, you know, double wide, like I said, on a pond. And I got just this wave of emotion or wave of nausea or something just overcame me. And I just, I wasn't going that fast anyway, but I stopped and I opened the door quick enough to get sick on the side, the side of the road. And then I remember closing the door opening up the rear view mirror and just thinking to myself, looking at myself and wiping my mouth and being like, I can go home and it would be so comfortable and I can watch TV and the price is right is on, but, but, I, or I could just go through it, not be uncomfortable. And so I kept driving, parked, met this sweet older lady that at the time was probably just in her mid forties. I was thinking, you know, how am I going to help this person? Like, this is, you know, this is just a, I'd live at home with my mother. Like, how am I supposed to help somebody that's two, three times my age? I've never even owned any home. And we talked for a while. And I eventually, we came to a, an understanding. Remember, I had went through my $3,000 life savings. I literally had my, I was paycheck to paycheck 100% at this time. And I guess living at my parents was helpful. But I was able to give her $300 a month for 10 months for a total price of 3000 we went from 8000 down to 3000 and i gave her payments i did keep the double the double wide there it needed a little bit of plumbing work uh, plumbing plumbing work i had roto rooter come out and spent a few hundred dollars there and then sold it the first time on payments i believe i got just under $2000 for my person that moved in and then they were going to make me payments for the next 5 or 6 years they only lasted a year or two then I got the home back and I resold it again on payments. I always loved payments, even back then. Uh, you know, selling something and making a huge payday wasn't as mm. comforting to me. Like I really liked the payments coming in. And so I was always a big believer on selling on payments. And this is mobile homes, coincidentally, is like that's a that's a good fit. Um, and this property, actually, I just sold it finally. I got it back a number of times and I just sold it a couple years ago. But it took like 16 years to sell. Like I, I kept getting it back and selling it again. And how wow. did you know? How did you know to sell it on payments? Like how did how did you think of that? The book from my when I was my roommates, um, the roommate. Well, I said roommate because people might think, well, you were living with your parents. I was living at my mother's townhouse, and then I had a roommate who was my roommate who okay. had a bookshelf that had the little real estate book. So it it had these pie in the sky deals of you can buy a home for super, like a house for these round, you know, $100,000. You can put someone in there and wrap the mortgage and sell it for $200,000. With so I knew of the concept of buying homes at one price, selling on them for payments at a higher price, uh, loose terms of, you know, wrapping notes or buying things subject to underlying debts. I had a loose you know, understandings, but still real estate was this big, you know, scary kind of monster to me. And then when I got into the mobile homes, it was almost, maybe it was a blessing. Well, obviously it was a blessing, but because they're, you know, it's not usually traditional real estate. We're not closing at a title company. It There's less, like for that first deal in the park, it was me and the lady and the manager of the of the park. But it wasn't a bank. There wasn't a title company. There weren't underwriters. It was me and this woman having a heart-to-heart -heart conversation, figuring out literally what I could do to help her and what she would be willing to do, like what her situation was and 
how to best resolve that. And it was, it was amazing. It was awesome. Just me and her talking. And then we did a deal and. Uh, wow. Good night. That's so cool. <laughs> I'm really glad you didn't. I, PW, thank you for yeah, having man, him continue that story. That. That's yeah. huge. <laughs> I appreciate you asking. Yeah, I feel like I'm rambling. No, man, not not at all. all. This is gold. (laughs) So helpful. So, because here's the thing, and this leads into the next question, really. Mobile homes. Like, when we talk about real estate investing, most people, the mobile homes don't necessarily, like you said, like, you you were not thinking mobile homes when you drove onto that property and then realized, oh, crap, it's a mobile home. What? (laughs) Which is amazing. And But I, I love, okay, let me just say, I love your heart to want to serve and help that lady. And, and, it, and it exudes in all that you do that I see you on YouTube, having conversations with you. Um, you've got uh, your website where you uh, bring people in and coach them to do some of the same things you do and, uh, and be successful at it. Um, and all of it that I've seen from what you've done, uh, John, has to do with really serving people well. And clearly it started from the very beginning. But for those of our listeners who are trying to make this pivot, and that's a lot of our listeners are trying to figure out, okay, how do I accept responsibility for my own financial future? And, and they're rethinking the, some of the traditional conventional ways and trying to understand what might be, you know, feel risky to them in taking some steps to invest in businesses or real estate or things like that. Um, just help us understand why mobile homes could be a good lane to run in as an investor, uh, especially in order to achieve financial freedom. Ooh. Um, I'm trying, I'm, I'm putting myself in the shoes of, of knowing that, you know, of, of hopefully a lot of your listeners, like I was yeah. when knew we had the fire, knew I was capable of more, you know, mm-hmm. working my, you know, regular part-time, you know, two part-time jobs, knew that I had more. Um, I think that, with regards to mobile homes, um, they're not right for a lot of people. I mean, you know, there's so many things to do in real estate and then mobile homes is just one thing. And then within mobile homes, do you, you can even specialize within the world of mobile home investing. That's been awesome to see people around the country do that. I think being a mode, like if you're unhappy, you're emotional and you're motivated. And that's when I think that people like the biz op people just buy because they're looking for some kind of life preserver to like free themselves. Like I want to be out of my job so fast that I'll just, you know, this thing seems to work for this other person. So it'll work mm. for me. And that that's, yeah. that's probably the case. I think a lot of these things, these biz ops or real estate investing, it can work. Most things, if somebody else has done it and it's ethical and legal, you can make this work. I mean, if someone else does it. So just, but, but, but being, I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent, but I think it's important being that yeah. emotional seller, being an emotional buyer, being a motivated buyer and seller, that's usually not a good thing to be motivated, to be emotional. And just like mm-hmm. an entrepreneur, I don't want to be a, I like, if you're that, like, if you just want to quit something and just jump on the first business that comes along, I think that that's wrong unless you get really, really, really lucky. So the first thing is have clarity. I mean, do is do if you like 10 things, you know, do so much research on those 10 different businesses and then, you know, take a year if you need to. This is a conveyor belt business, something I've seen with mobile homes. It's a, like for the last 20 years that I've been doing this, and I can't believe that I'm that old now, um, <laughs> it has been a conveyor belt. We're not typically dealing with folks that are millionaires. 
Uh, we're dealing with folks that are, you know, hardworking, paycheck to paycheck folks. They might not have much savings. And when they need help, they need help sometime soon. So there's a conveyor belt. Your folks mm -hmm. listening, you know, you missed out on deals last year. You missed out on deals the year before and this year. And next month, there'll be new buyers or new sellers. The week after that, there'll be people getting themselves into trouble. The week after that, the week after that. So I think clarity, asking a lot of questions. And then if you do decide mobile homes is the right fit, it's going to be a lot of hard work. You're going to be building something from practically nothing. The cash flow is real. Mobile homes are in all 50 states besides Hawaii. I'm working with folks in all 50 states. You mm -hmm. do need a car to get around. Mm -hmm. definitely needs to be, you know, I think with most businesses, this takes time. You know, I would like to see 20, yeah. 30 hours a week when I first get started with somebody. Mm -hmm. um, but they're, I mean, they're the low cost of ownership or ownership, the low cost mm -hmm. of entry. I mean, I know that's cliche, but that's, that's yeah. true. Most folks I do work with begin with five to 15,000, which is not a lot of money. I mean, that's a right. lot, but it's really you know, to start something that's going to hypothetically take you out of work or take your, you know, your spouses out of work is that's not a lot of money. What we, what you just mentioned, we kind of do talk about that a lot on the podcast in figuring out what your next steps are and not to just jump in and into something right away. But at the same time, you did help us to understand some of the, so mobile home uh, investing. One of the ways is that there's just constantly deals uh, available, right? It, it, like you said, a conveyor belt, if you will. That's that's one aspect I think that, that is positive. Um, like right now in the real estate market, with house uh, with with um, the the market being so how do I say it? so high in terms of value or price, um, houses are selling at ultra premiums. Ultra premiums. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Said, you almost said value. Yeah, I know exactly. I that's like, why I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped. That is price. That's right. But it, and and that now right now it's so competitive in that market that the people that I know who are actually investing in real estate and and this is single family you know um, single family homes and and the like are they're finding it hard to find the deals now because things are getting bidded up you know bid up so uh, quickly and so much. And and it slowed things down a lot for people to acquire those properties that would be cash flowing. Uh, are, is there a big difference there between like a single family or or uh, you know duplexes things like that and and mobile homes? It's it's interesting because as much as I know about mobile homes and as you know I I, I am you know somewhat of an authority on mobile homes. My knowledge of single family is is like really. I try not to not to like bird. I only have so much mental space, and it's really not that much. I'm not a smart person, and I so I focus on mobile homes mostly. Um, we even you know there's there's been shifts and changes. Certainly the the um, higher prices of single family homes are pushing people that have never looked at a single family home or never looked at a mobile home to now look at mobile homes because of, because they want to be in a certain area and okay, well, this is, you know, my area and well, this is a decent manufactured home or mobile home. Um, so it's definitely pushing prices up on mobile homes for sure. You can sell a mobile home for hire, but there's still folks 
that just like in single family homes, there's still there's still people that unfortunately, you know, mismanage their finances. They don't pay all the bills. There's a lot of deferred maintenances. They get sick. People pass away. Um, there's hardships. And with single family homes, there's more options. There's more people that are willing to buy those homes. There's more bank loans. There's more cash available. With mobile homes, and there's a lot of mobile homes in parks and on private land, there's not as many options. The buyers are fewer. The cash buyers are fewer. There's a lot less loan products out there. The mm -hmm. perception of mobile homes is just you know lower. Um, so we can still, on the buying side, we're still helping those same folks. You know, the folks just like 20 years ago are getting themselves into those situations. That's the same today. Now we do have to act quicker. Uh, we can't mm -hmm. be as patient maybe as we could have been five years ago. But mm -hmm. it's the same folks. Yeah, I would. I would want to. I have a, a couple questions. Um, first one is, uh, what have you said no to, like as far as like mm -hmm. structure deal, or even just the person? Um, and then, what margins do you have to keep? Because if all the things happen, or some of the things happen that you listed, whether it's you know death or loss of job or mm -hmm. you know sickness, all those types of things, if if one or more of those things happen and you have somebody not paying for X amount of months, like what kind of margins do you have to keep? Like what's the structure look like? So first, first thing is like, what would you say no to? I don't like saying no to much. Okay. Uh, and, the, and what I mean by that is I, you, I feel very comfortable making an offer of let's say $0 to a seller. I will pay you $0 for your mobile home. I Personally, like if I feel that that is an offer and, you know, there's a, somebody might listening might maybe like, why would somebody give you their home for free? Um, but mm -hmm. if I deem that, okay, that is a valid offer, I have no problem ethically or consciously making that offer. So I don't pass on deals because of price. Well, I mean, I, I don't get scared away. I always make offers. I will pass on a deal if it's skinny. Um, I will say no to sellers if there's something uh, illegal going on, or if I can't correct the e the illegal thing. What what buyers do you turn away? Oh, for the buyers. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Okay. Well, most of them. <laughs> um, okay. So if you're selling on payments, uh, and we want to put people through a rigorous buying process. If you're an investor selling a mobile home on payments, and you put an, an advertisement out for something on payments to you know, own for an affordable amount to move in and an affordable amount monthly for the next five to 10 to 10 years or longer. Um, 95, this is a very rough generalization, but I, I stand behind it. 95% of the people that will reach out to you might be cool people. You want to hang out with them, good folks, but you would not want to get into a five or more year relationship with them where they're paying you money every single month, month after month. So most folks... The, you know that that want to do something on payments, they don't end up having the the capital needed. Uh, they don't pass a background check. I'm only looking to fill up my mobile home with one person, not ten people in one mobile home. So I want the lowest risk person uh, with with decent job that's humble, that's that's sincere, that knows this needle in a haystack opportunity, and they they jump through all my hoops, they answer all my questions. There's background checks. I'm verifying income and employment. But yeah, I'll say, yeah, but as far as numbers go, most. Now on cash, hey, if you got the money, you know, 
and I know I'll work with you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But for payments, I'm, I'm super, super picky. And to add on to that, just a little bit, my first five years, mobile home investing back when I was saying, when I was, you know, 2019 getting started my first five years, remember I loved selling on payments. That was my, what I got excited about. Most of my people, almost everybody defaulted for my first five years. I didn't have one person stay. People would stay months, you know, six months longer, even a couple of years, two or three years. But then they eventually, for one reason or another, left. And I realized that wasn't all because of them. It was because of me. I was setting people up for failure. I wasn't doing the right background checks. I was selling the homes for probably a little bit too high of price. Um, and I was not doing any kind of background check. Or, you know, if you had the money and a pulse, come on mm. in. And I... I didn't like that business. I didn't like the turnover. I didn't like setting people up for failure, which is basically what I was doing, um, you know, not knowing it at the time. And then so now, you know, fast forward years later, a very, very little default rate. I don't want that. You know, I want mm -hmm. people that they want to get me out of the picture. John, I'm gonna, I want to pay you. So I don't have to pay you anymore. So anyway, um, who, who finances mobile homes now? So if a buyer is trying to get you out of the way, and they don't have the cash, like how, how would they refinance and get you out of the way? Well, I don't expect that. Okay. Um, if they want to do that, then, hey, I'll take the money. But okay. I don't expect that because that's not likely. And okay. if it is, there are um, triadfinancial.com, uh, 21st Mortgage is a nationwide mobile home lender as well. We've had local success with smaller credit unions in the area. But I don't, I don't expect that. That's one of the benefits. You know, you can pay me for the next five to thirty to thirty years. You know, I, I'm I'm happy with the payments and the interest rate. And yeah. okay, what's an average interest rate? Sorry, Mike, I'm hijacked. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. You good? <laughs> I'm so curious. <laughs> yeah, no, um, uh, under usually, but anywhere uh, seven to thirteen percent. Okay. And you mentioned about um, that second part of the question. Um, what was that? Oh, um, kind of what, what, what margins and yeah. these deals are fairly forgiving Un well, that's not true. You can do any deal you want. You can do a skinny deal or an unprofitable deal. So <laughs> the deals that I try to focus on are quite forgiving when we sell a mobile home. I guess I'll say it this way. Like this is the litmus test. If I want to buy a home, if I, if I'm going to sell this property, whenever I sell a mobile home for cash, if I buy it, fix it up, resell it. I want to double my money or better, double all my invested money. If I wholesale it, I'll make a few grand, give or take. Uh, and if I sell it on payments, I want to make all my money back, ideally in six to 12 months or less. So I get my acquisition cost, repairs, holding cost, all that back in six to 12 months or less with the move-in fee from the buyer and the monthly payments. And then after 12 months, I'm, I'm broke even. And then for the next four years minimum, because I want to sell for at least five years, sell for at least five years worth of payments where we're clearing at least 300 net every month. So can you just real quick walk us through, you kind of did already a little bit with, with your first example, your first experience buying a mobile home. But today, knowing what you do now, I mean, you change some things, but so like, I know you coach people, you walk people through a process, you have a, a course, an online course, you take people through. So if, if any of our listeners are, listeners are interested in, in this, if this is piquing your interest, um, like I said, John is extremely responsive and 
I, I don't want to speak for you, John, but you'd, you'd be willing to take them in. You do have a process, a vetting process to take people in for you to coach to who want to invest in mobile homes. Um, so it's not like just anybody can come. I know that, which I think is a good thing. So my question though, John, is take us through kind of from, if you can, from beginning to end, step-by-step, step, what this process looks like if someone is is beginning your process and they're looking to to start investing in mobile homes, like in the way you you would advocate them. Sure. Um, yeah. And, and the website, there's a lot of free information there too. So you can, yeah. you know, folks that are listening, um, the, there's a lot of things to do. Um, when I work with folks, uh, a, a, sort of a bird's eye view, um, usually we kind of hit the ground running. So when I start working with folks in the first week, there's nine or 10 different things I want you to do. But the biggest thing is to go out and attract and collect a specific set of leads. These are seller leads. These are mobile homes, usually in parks, but not always in parks. And that's what like one of the biggest things I want you to do, find and attract your first set of leads. You know, right now, we don't need to spend a lot of money. There's free and inexpensive ways to do this. And while you're doing this, there's other things to be done. Talking with folks, networking with more owners and managers. and But that's, you know, the beginning of it. Find and attract, you know, mobile home sellers in the area. Now, the next thing, and this is mobile home sellers that aren't on just not just Facebook or Craigslist, but really understand who's out there and then call these people up. And we set appointments. Usually when I work with folks, we're setting like four to six appointments on this first group of calls. But when you're talking to people over the phone, you're not just figuring out, you know, what they're selling, a two bedroom or three bedroom or a handyman special. We're also figuring out, you know, why they're selling. Like I said before, many of the people we help are paycheck to paycheck which isn't good or bad. I think most of the country is probably paycheck to paycheck, but it's just indicative of the folks that we work with. Not everybody can pay their bills. People mismanage finances, like we said. Uh, and we, go, we begin to understand what people are selling, why people are selling. This guy hasn't paid his lot rent in two months. This guy hasn't paid since last year. These people don't even live in the state anymore. This guy's got until Halloween. So, you know, so we understand what people are selling, set appointments, go to the appointments and make offers. Every appointment you go to, ideally, you should be making, if you went to the appointment, you should be making two to three offers. In my opinion, we make offers and then we only purchase one of them. You know, you can make a lot of offers. You can see who's out there and then just close on one. You know, I always, when I work with people, want them to purchase the path of least resistance. We buy our first deal, we close it, we do some repairs, we put it back on the market. If you sell it for cash or payments or wholesale it, and you know, that's your first deal. You should feel great and be psyched up and, you know, go dancing yeah. or whatever. But um, <laughs> Yeah, celebrate do? for sure. Yeah. One mobile home though is not going to set you up for life. So right. I always want, you know, folks listening to you and folks I work with, we always want the next deal coming. I always want you having one home for sale. So when you go to sell that first mobile home, usually in a park, you've been in this business 30, 40, 50, 60 days. Every week that goes by, you should be going to more appointments, talking with more sellers, expanding your territory, talking to more owners and managers, putting out other advertising, following up with folks, new people are getting into hardships, et cetera. So by the time you sell property number one, we've ideally identified the path of least resistance for home number two. Close it, clean it, put it back on the market. Now you've been in this business again, 70, 80, 90, 100 days, still going to more appointments, still following up. It's a lot of hard work, a lot of consistency. 
I definitely kind of went off more than what you said, but no, this is great. So initially it's really very relational in nature. Like you're, you're out meeting people, building relationships, building trust. Big time. Yeah. Okay. So then you, you make that first deal. Typically, if you wouldn't mind, what would be an ideal situation in terms of like, give us an example of, of a really good deal that someone might, might close. So the pot, like, Answering that question, I can definitely answer the question for you, but there's so many different answers to it. Um, I will go back to say that the path of least resistance is important because everyone, including all three of us right now, you know, recording this pod, this podcast, in our areas, the path of least resistance is different. It's a very vague term that means a lot of different things. So, you know, once you my goal when I work with people is to take a massive approach. We make offers to a lot of people and we move forward with the path of least resistance. But does that mean the path of least resistance, quote unquote, is that a mobile home we can get for free? Because maybe there was a fire inside of it. Or maybe we can offer the seller some more money and buy it with financing and give the seller payments. Mm -hmm. Or maybe we can buy it from a tax sale or we can buy it, um, we don't even have to buy it, we can just wholesale it. Or we, we have to move it from point A to point B after we buy it, or some other type of situation. So all of those that I just mentioned, that has been people's first deal. Well, I don't like to move homes on the first deal if we don't have to, but that's been people's first deal. But the path of least resistance, you know, it, it, it depends. I want mm-hmm. you to get clarity of your entire market and then you know, at the time right now, based on everything I've seen and known, and I've made all these offers, what is my path of least resistance here? I want people to just, if you like, if your listeners have 50 grand, I don't want them to use 50 grand. I want them to just pretend they don't have it. And they only have like five or Mm -hmm. 10. And if they have 20, you know, pretend you don't have 20, pretend you only have five or 10. So even if you have Mm -hmm. 20, I don't want you just spending it because you have have the money. You know, I really want to show folks and even, you know, people listening to us right now. Yeah, we, you don't have to, just because you have the money, you know, doesn't mean that you have to spend it on the first thing that comes along. A five grand, six, seven, eight grand goes a long way in this business. That will get you in and out of your first deal. Yep. Um, now, if and you then, only have six yeah. or seven grand, you might be, your back might be against the wall and you might be selling for cash. Because if you only have six or seven grand, I don't want you running out of money. Sell your first couple homes for cash. And you'll have to know that before you even make an offer or buy it. But yeah, raise more money, reinvest everything back into mobiles, keep one for payments, sell a few more for cash or wholesale one or two, keep one or two for payments. Yeah. Um, And then obviously you had said this before, but you typically you'd like to see a monthly payment of $300 um, at least for net. Correct. Unless they're, unless you're paying the seller a debt service, like a monthly payment. If you agreed when you bought the mobile home, I'm going to give you a thousand dollars today, Mrs. Seller, and I'll give you 200 a month for the next, you know, 24 months, then you may not be making 300 net. Uh, It may be less than that because of that amount that you're paying out. But if you did buy a home for cash, then yeah, 300 minimum monthly net. How nice do you make the the homes that you're renting or uh, selling for payments or even, you know? I make them a very, I disclose everything 
and I make them a good value for the end buyer. It's very easy. One of the one of the main errors that I see people that don't know about mobile homes, they get into mobile homes. One of the main errors is to over improve a mobile home. And if you're going to sell that mobile home for cash on a, on a coastal area or downtown, and you know, you're going to get a big fat cash price or bank financed price, and there's comps, well then, you know, you can put granite in there if that's what you're going to, you know, you're going to be selling for cash. But when we sell on payments, it's important to know the buyer. It's important to know what they want to do. And what I, what I mean by that is how much repairs that they want to do. It blew my mind when I started to really understand my buyer. And this was years ago, but it blew my mind that we can sell a home as long as we disclose everything. We can sell it needing repairs as long as we make that affordable for the buyer. And buyers, they'd want to do that. It blew my mind at how many buyers would be okay with making certain repairs. You know, mm. painting, not a big deal. Putting in certain appliances, not that big of a deal. Um, cosmetics, not a big deal. Um, yeah, yeah, most cosmetics, not a big deal. But then there's things that sellers, or I'm sorry, buyers on payments don't want to do. Even payment buyers don't want to deal with mold usually. They don't want to deal with a lot of mm. soft spots in the floor or electric problems or leaks coming through the roof um, or bugs everywhere or smells. Mm. So if we deal with a lot of the fundamental structural problems, and we're, you know, we're selling a livable home to answer your question, you know, if we disclose things and it makes sense and we're not charging an arm and a leg down, you know, that's what I mean. It's affordable. We compensate for that. We're, I'm not doing, I usually leave most of my rent to own mobile homes in need of some degree of work and they sell fast. And there's more people out there that have two grand to move into a home than have 10 grand. Have you have you ever calculated like a, a drawdown like for your whole clientele per year? Like how many people stop paying and then if you know if you end up having to like have them evicted kind of thing? No, so, no, 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 no. I haven't. Uh, so few people um, leave these days because of the screening process. I had forgotten that your screening process is is you know pretty robust. So you. You get the right people in there and they are mostly paying you consistently. They're happy to be there and they want they're, to stay. They're happy to be there. And I look to break even in six to 12 months. So after 12 months, I I have everything back that I, I mean, everything from there is. Gosh, that's crazy. Profit. <laughs> no, yeah, and, nobody, and so nobody and, and I'm also flexible. That. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be ruthless to people. You know, if they, sure. you know, people have been, yeah, if they show effort, I'm going to work with people. I'm not kicking them out on the first, you know, you know, they're keeping in communication. So it's definitely a, yeah, it's win-win. I mean, it's win-win all around, but. Um, yeah. How, what's the split of, of homes that are in parks or on private land? It would, well, around the world, around the, not the world, around the country, it's about 25, 75, 75 on their own private land, 25 inside of parks. In mm. my business, it's changed. Uh -huh. At one point in the beginning, it was like three to one for every three homes in parks. I was buying one home on land. Now it's, well, and then it would go to like four to one. And I remember at one point it was like two to one for some weird reason. But now I'd say it's more like I'm doing more in parks like probably five to one now, six to one, most in parks, and then every five or six deals on land. Because the, the ones on land, they're more money. They, right. you know, they they close longer. There's more involved. It was part of that the reputation you've probably built with some of the uh, um, 
the, the property managers there. The, the park managers, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's a yes. I want to keep those bridges very strong. Hmm. Yep. What have you, have you seen any, because I, I, and I remember following you and watching you on YouTube through the pandemic <laughs> and being really curious about, oh man, what's going to, and you, and you, I loved your honesty, John, and how you were like, at first, I, I can't remember, like, I'm not going to quote you exactly, but you were very honest about saying, well, we're going to see how this, how this pans out. I really don't know, <laughs> but you kept people updated through the process and then, and then told them what you were learning. Um, what, what would you say has been the, one of the biggest lessons you learned going through the pandemic in this mobile home industry? I mean, it reaffirmed some things. Uh, it reaffirmed that most people, hmm. they, they want what they agree to. Most people signed up to buy the mobile home, to pay me off. Uh, most people want a job. Most people want to work. Most people will keep in communication. Bad things happen to good people, but the you know, but people should keep in touch. They get embarrassed. They want to work with you. So that's been a, a mm. you know a, a reassurance there, and that my vetting process has been. I'm glad. You know, I'm very thankful for the people that I have in my homes. There are a couple other folks that are very much abusing the system, but that is only two people, um, mm-hmm. and. And then okay. with the and then with the COVID side of things, you know, I I don't know what it's like with mansions. I don't know what it's like with you know multifamily as much. I just know that with with it's been consistent these last you know uh, fifteen months. There's still people that are selling that get into trouble that are conscious that they 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 don't want to go behind on lot rent or they don't want to go behind and you know owe to the banks so or they're they're preemptively selling. The process going to the courts have been, you know, people have been friendly there. I don't know. No, there's been with the mobile home world, it's sort of been a little bit business as usual. I mean, you know, the the states have shut down. We have to do our paperwork slightly different. Um, We're still selling on payments. I'm I'm still renting occasionally. We're still buying from those same folks. Uh, With mobile homes, it's sort of business as usual. Yeah, it sounds kind of boring. <laughs> it's not like there's, it's not like there are these booms and bust cycles that you see in the real estate market. The you know the stick built homes in, in a sense. It just sounds like this is you said conveyor belt, and that yeah, it that, just that seems like it's just a constant. Just it is what it is. Here's the next one. Here's the you know. It, maybe ten or twelve years ago, I realized that I was thinking. That, that this is what a business should be. It shouldn't be that. I mean, it should be exciting, but it shouldn't be, it should be predictable or repetitive. And that's, yeah. And then I, and I want to lean into that. What's the, um, like, if you purchase something for 10, like, how do you do your, your margins and ratios as far as how much improvement you put in? Or do you even worry about that? No, we definitely worry. We, we take that into account even before we make the initial offers. Okay. Um, with the intent, uh, we know our exit strategy or a strategy A and then strategy B, and both of them will allow us to, you know, we, we, we need to, we need to buy the home at a certain price, um, in order to be able to do the repairs we want to make in the amount of holding time that we expect to hold it for. And that we need to know the realistic exit price. <coughs> so working backwards, no, I, we still either want to break even in 12 months if we sell on payments or less or double our money. And if we don't do that, 
you know, I'm not going to say that happens every time. Sometimes it takes us 16 months to get our money back or 18 months to get our money back. Or there's a recent video I did on YouTube where, you know, God forbid we didn't double our money. We only did like 90% of doubling our money. So it, it you know, this doesn't always work out like that. When you say we, like how, who's your team? Is it just you or is there a staff? Oh, I say we just out of habit. I, I've been saying that since when I was, when I first got started, I, was 19, but I must've looked like 13. And I just felt way more comfortable. We, 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 us, you know, um, the group, you know, I'm not the one in charge. And, and even to this day, I have partners, I have a boss I have to talk to. And so that's what I mean. Either I say we in that respect, or on this podcast, I say we as like the mobile home investing community. So there isn't a staff. Oh yeah. So to go back to your question, (laughs) no, there's no staff. Uh, there, I mean, I do have a VA doing a small amount of stuff. I have handy folks that I will okay. outsource things to. I have trustees that will do some legs on the boots on the ground stuff if I'm not available. But no, it's all no, it's you're you're uh, looking at it. Wow, I'm talking to them. Yeah, and it's it's you got a lot going on, man. I mean, when you go to your yeah. website, whoever set up your website, which is Tom, um, is it mobilehomeinvesting.net? Is that right? Correct. Perfect. Okay. Making sweet. All right. Did that from memory. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah. And so definitely check it out. There is a ton of information on there. I don't know if you, you got to have somebody more than just yourself running the website. Cause there's, there is definitely a lot on there. You are the nicest person that has ever said that. No. Okay. No, I mean, I'm not the nicest part. You're the, you're the, <laughs> for saying that, that is something very nice. No, no, that was, that's been a labor of love for the last like 13 years. And I think it looks about 13 years old if you go to it. <laughs> so and you don't be too nice about it. But the content, it's low on visual graphics, high on content. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is huge. Yeah, when, definitely. When somebody buys your course and, and kind of you partner with them, what do you ask them to have cash to start? Uh, five to 15,000 is what most folks begin with. I, I won't, if you have less than that, I'm, I'm hesitant on working together because, you know, these homes aren't going anywhere right. and you shouldn't be rushed into doing something. And, and it's just what I've seen gets, you can get started. I got started with, like I said, I went through my money. My first deal was owner financed and other people I work with their first deals are wholesales, but that's, you know, I don't want to promise that. I think there's too much hype in real estate in general. And so yeah, save up four or five thousand minimum, you know, or you know, and that's that'll be a good even that little bit of money, and it's a lot, but it is a little. Um, you're only gonna help. I mean, let's not be delusional. Five yeah. grand is not gonna help every mobile home seller out there with a mobile home dilemma. It's not gonna help most people. Five grand isn't gonna help many people, it's not even gonna help a few people, not all at once, right? But one at a time, one, two, three thousand, four thousand, that. That is a lot of money. That's a godsend to the right folks that are behind on payments or losing their home or they don't even live in the state or uh, there's title problems. And those folks are out there. They have to be talked to and heard and found and negotiated with. And they sure as heck won't last long whenever they pop up and they will pop up. But we just, you know, you have to be there, know what to say and do and the paperwork Mm. and procedures. And so, you know, you don't need a lot of money. It just has to be used so, 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 so cautiously because you can go through... 30,000 in a heartbeat, let alone five grand. 
would you say most of your coach, because I, I feel you, I've heard you say that a lot in conversations with me as well, but like, do you, do you end up having to coach a lot of your, your clients in that? And like, do you have to almost kind of tell them to hold back in, in some ways? I'm very, whenever I work with people one-on-one, it's very, um, we're talking most days of the week, every couple of days, every other day, I want to see a hundred plus pictures of every home you go through. So we're the people I'm working with one-on-one, there's no question there about my opinion. And I want to help you with offers and I'm very vocal, but mm. with folks that I don't work with, I guess like the, the most coaching is, well, no, I, cause I don't, I, I say, you know, continue, continue saving capital. And I want to let people know that, you know, if you like the folks listening to this podcast right now, if you don't have five grand, you're still like all the other ingredients can be there. You can still be in a decent area. There's hundreds of parks around you. You have the inventory. You might have the time, you know, the time is important in this business. You should be a people person. You should like people want to talk to people, but if you don't have the money, you can save that. Like mobile homes aren't going anywhere. So, you know, learn, (laughs) ask a ton of questions, but just, you know, chill a little bit, save money. And then, you know, with a rational mind, dive into whatever you're going to be diving into. So, so I think my, I don't really, you know, I'm not as uh, I don't know if I'm giving life lessons in that respect, but I am telling people just to, you know, take a deep breath, save and mobile homes will be here when, you know, in a year or in six months. So. John, obviously people can come and come to your website, uh, fill out the form on there. And if they wanted to work with you in terms of, having you coach them through the process of learning how to do this themselves, they can do that. But I also know just as we close out here, I know you've done some other, you've been doing some other projects. You mentioned parks and you're, you're ha- I've seen you bring in mobile homes to some of these properties and you, you've asked for investors. I don't know if you're still in that place or not, but are there, are there more ways for people possibly to partner with you if they wanted to? You should definitely reach out. Um, and yeah, if, I mean, if you email me, I'm going to email back um, or go to, you know, go to my website. Um, there's, there's, there's certainly ways um, I stay busy and there are certainly other ways. I'm not looking for, there was one video where I was sort of looking for interested money folks to, uh, but I, that sort of filled up. Um, okay. There's yep. been a, yeah, people are, uh, um, people are happy to, yeah, anyway, that, so that's filled up. But as far as maybe working together or you have questions about parks or lending mm-hmm. or this or that, I mean, I'm a fairly an open book and there's no dumb questions or there are, but ask them cause they're funny. And I've asked <laughs> a ton of them. that's how you learn. So ask questions. So, that's uh, right. And I'll that's answer. right, man. Well, man, we're really grateful for your time. And I, again, let me just reassert this because I every time I talk to you, John, I hear you talk about not just not just about the properties, the margin, the profits, all that cash flow, but I hear you talk about the people over and over again. And you have still have not failed. You talk about <laughs> these are deals that you're doing with real people who have real needs and you're motivated to help them meet those needs and add value to them. And that's so in alignment with what our podcast blue collar money is all about. You know, um, someone the other day just told me that profit should be the result of serving people. Well, mm-hmm. and I think it's, that's really true. And, and you, I just, I'm grateful for you, John. I think 